0: Lord, we thank you for this opportunity tonight to look into your word, to continue looking at uh, a very difficult topic, Lord, that we know, well, we, we don't feel that we can fully get our head around it, Lord. We pray that you bring us to the level of knowledge that you want us to have, Lord, that there'd be no confusion, that we'd understand uh, the purpose and uh, of what it means to understand uh, you and your complex unity, Lord, that there is only one God, and help us to understand how how that all how that all works to the best of, of what we can understand, what you want us to know. So we just uh, thank you, commit this time to you. In Yeshua's name. Amen. Amen. Just one more very important
1: item um, before we get started. Um, dear Sister Crystal has a funky esophagus. I forgot the, uh, the, the nutcracker. It's, called,
2: it's a nutcracker esophagus. It's nutcracker oh esophagus.
1: Gosh. So um, we don't need happens. to understand it's the anatomy and physiology of that we just need to take a moment to pray for her which I promised her to do and so um, would you you're fine dear we're We're not going to um, embarrass you too much Um, you can come if you want or just pray at your seat or uh, let's do that Thank you, Lord, that you're well aware of what's going on with Crystal's um, uh, esophageal issues, and uh, thank you, Lord, that you have answers. Thank you, Lord, even for how you use our misadventures, Lord, our challenges uh, for your gracious purposes, Lord, to work redemptively, more fully in our life. And so we pray for that, Lord, that any that through all of it you would receive much honor and glory. We pray, Lord God, that you would touch the lives of people that she comes in contact with. And we pray, Lord God, that you uh, would pour out your love and your healing touch on your daughter. Lord God, that she would be uh, strengthened fully equipped uh, to do all that you've called her to do we pray that you receive much honor through this in the name of Yeshua amen Amen. okay um, you might ask why devote a couple of Wednesday nights to talk about Yeshua's deity Um, I would say that if you were to take a hundred believers from all kinds of backgrounds and if you were to ask them to give a biblically decent uh, explanation of Yeshua's deity, I would be surprised if you get more than five or ten people who will be able to do that. Um, And so for us, it isn't about showing the extent of your knowledge, or anyone's knowledge, for us there are some very practical issues that necessitate us knowing, having a a basic handle on Yeshua's deity, other than just saying, he is God. Um, So I wanted, first of all, to start. uh, Rabbi David did some of that uh, last Shabbat, uh, last Wednesday, excuse me. but there are a number of reasons why that needs to be the case, why we need to have a clear grasp of Yeshua's deity. One is that, first of all, is the fact that Yeshua has to be worshipped. Um, you may take that as a basic, uh, but in Philippians chapter 2, we have the goal, and the goal in Philippians 2 10 and 11 is. anybody can quote? A, is that the, the humility? No, it's not the humility. Or That's earlier. Let's turn to it. Philippians 2 10 and 11. Mm-hmm. And I expect you all to have it memorized by next week. It's this grim silence, like. <laughs> uh, Philippians 2, uh, what's that? All right, Philippians 2.10 and 11. Uh, let's see, this gentleman here, what's your name again, Steve? Steve. Okay.
3: That at the name of Yeshua, every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue professed that Yeshua the Messiah is Lord, to the glory of God the Father.
1: Okay, so, uh, does this constitute uh, every knee... In heaven, well, we're not in heaven yet, but we're not under the earth, but we're on the earth. So that means that part of our worship uh, life means that we learn to give honor to Yeshua. Okay? Uh, Revelation chapter 4 and verses 9 and 10 then we'll zip over to Revelation chapter 5, and let's first of all start with Revelation
3: 4, 9 and 10. Sir. And when the living creatures give glory and honor, and thanks to him who sits on the throne, to him who lives forever and ever, the twenty-four elders will fall down before him who sits on the throne and will worship him who lives forever and ever, and will cast their crowns before the throne. Can I say? Can Sorry. I continue? It's a saying. What are me they thinking? saying? No. Worthy are you, our Lord, and our God, to receive glory and honor and power. for You created all things, and because of you, they will, they will, they existed. Because of your will, they existed and were created. Okay, so, who is
1: he who sits on a throne? Are you sure? Yes. Maybe sitting on
4: a throne on the right side. Oh, so he's thinking the this is God
2: the Father and how he hands the scroll over to him. Well,
1: maybe you tell me. Uh, you have someone who is presented uh, visually without any absolute, any uh, uh, distinguishing features physically. In other words, what you see of. Whoever it is that sits on a throne is you have description that uses um, precious jewels. So first of all, what does that tell you? The precious jewels. His royalty. His royalty, he's precious, and what you have is things that are like. You do not have any specific... um, visible designation of, of whoever this person is. So, remember what Scripture says, no one has ever seen God at any time.
4: But it also says here, for thou hast created all things. Correct. And it says in John 1, that the Word created all things, and He is now in the flesh.
1: Well, hang on. <laughs> we'll, 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 we'll get to that. We're trying to identify... Uh, to come up with the identity of him who sits on the throne who lives forever and ever. Well, this is obviously referring to God. Okay. Uh, then come over to Revelation chapter 5 verses uh, 12 and 13 and would our Revelation reader continue, please. <coughs>
3: Yeah, you want to pick up the verse 11, that's fine. Then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne, and the living creatures and the elders, and the numbers of them was myriads of myriads, and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and mighty and honor and glory and blessing. And every created thing which is in heaven and on earth and under the earth, saying to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb be blessing and honor and glory and dominion forever and ever and the four living creatures kept saying amen and the elders fell down and worshiped. okay
1: so first of all we need to, to come to terms with the fact that this is way beyond us it was frankly way beyond John and he is seeing a vision um, so we have someone who looks like the lamb can okay, and you can identify that this individual looks like a lamb unlike just shadowy uh, outlines of him who sits on the throne okay and how is uh, the lamb uh, described slain. Uh, slain. Hmm? As slain. was slain okay um, people are exalting Him. What are they saying about about the Lamb?
0: It's worthy to be worshipped.
1: It's worthy to be worshipped. And if you were to compare chapter 4 and chapter 5, you find essentially the same language that is used to refer to Him who sits on a throne and to the Lamb, who apparently seem to be two distinct beings. And I realize that it is okay to say you know, some of this flies over mid Mach 15. That's okay. Uh, part of our trouble as believers is when we try to dive into mysteries that are not our business to dive into. And, and remember that um, our understanding of Scripture is that God is not revealed by our logic and deduction rather God reveals himself and gives us as much bits of information as he feels we need to have and then expects us to say okay I understand this much and then there's a whole wad that I don't understand which we have to have when we come to a discussion of Yeshua's deity and particularly what we see here in Revelation short version is You have Him who sits on the throne and lives forever and ever, obviously referring to the Father, although it doesn't explicitly say that. And then you have reference to the Lamb who was slain, obviously referring to Yeshua. And both of them are receiving the same kind of worship. Uh, So part of it, folks, is that... um, in our relationship with God, we need to understand the basics of Yeshua's deity, not just He is God, and but understand what the Word of God has to say. Because, folks, when you look at uh, uh, false cults and false religion, more often than not they break their teeth over who is Yeshua and specifically Yeshua's deity. Um, and and you find that people stumble over that because they can accept his messiahship uh, but when it comes to his deity, that's it. And particularly if you're someone who comes from a Jewish background, that's basically a line that people often don't want to cross because they don't understand what a word of God has to say. And so. Last Wednesday, David spent a lot of time showing what he calls the God sightings in the flesh, visibly. All kinds of occasions when someone appears um, visibly and when he is done doing whatever it is that he does, the person who sees them says, Whoa, this was God. And we have a number of those, such as uh, Abram and the three visitors, remember Genesis 18. Uh, We have Samson's uh, parents. Uh, When this individual is done, they say, wow, we have have just seen God. We have Jacob, of course, Peniel, I have seen God face to face. You have a number of those things. and so part of the picture for us is apologetics. Do you all know what apologetics <coughs> means?
5: It comes from the scripture in 1 Peter 3. Correct. Being able to give an answer to the hope that lies within.
1: Okay. 1 Peter 3.15. Um, let's not turn to it. Uh, let's give a... Reason, and the word for reason there is apologia. apologia. and And what Peter is simply saying is, especially in a culture where believers are pressed and persecuted, you need to be able to give a decent explanation of why it is that you believe so that you don't end up doing what the Mormons do, and, and who, who say, I believe such and such because I have a burning in my bosom. That's, that's standard for, it may make absolutely no sense, it may be absolutely ridiculous, but I have this feeling inside, therefore it must be true. And so unfortunately a lot of times believers do just that. Uh, they say I believe because I know because I know because I know which for a skeptic in this day and age it just doesn't cut it and it was certainly the case in in, in Peter's day and age uh, where believers were were persecuted and pressed and Peter says to them you don't ga- you don't engage in polemics in in big hairy nasty arguments you simply... In gentleness, you share who God is in your life and what you believe uh, so that the skeptic or the inquirer can listen to you and say, hmm, I'll I'll consider that. And so that's the goal for apologetics in general and particularly uh, as we look at Messiah, Yeshua and his deity, we need to be able to understand it not just for our own purposes, but to be able to somehow communicate that to someone who is a skeptic, particularly a Jewish person, because when it comes to Yeshua's deity for Jewish people, there is, there's a line in the sand. Uh, because part of the picture is, uh, Jewish critics or skeptics would say that our uh, embracing Yeshua's deity means that we are doing what the Greeks did Uh, when they believed that Zeus was doing whatever he wanted to do and he appeared on the scene and etc etc so uh, and we have to be able to listen to that uh, without responding with uh, uh, our claws uh, extracted you know uh, going to battle and simply say you know this is this is what we understand we believe it we feel that scripture teaches us that now this is all by way of introduction believe it or not um, so part of the issue is that uh, in the Tanakh remember the, what the Tanakh means?
3: Yes. <laughs> you <Yeah>. tell. <Detail. Yeah. laughs> writings like yeah writings prophets and uh,
1: T is for Torah. Torah. So Torah, Torah, Writings, Writings and Prophets. Tanakh. It's it's an acronym. uh, Rather than say Old Testament because it sounds so old. uh, (laughs) You know, the more uh, preferable uh, term is Tanakh. Um, So in the Tanakh, you have these uh, God sightings. Uh, However, when you come into the new covenant what you have is more than just God's sightings and we have to be able to in- incorporate that and say more than just Yeshua's God in human form but rather be able to somehow say Yeshua is deity, he's God um, and then have something in, in scripture that gives some validity to it without feeling like we have to explain everything and it's okay by the way folks to say I understand this much and, and the majority of it is a mystery because if you talk to anybody Jewish people who are uh, non-believers in Yeshua they will admit the fact that Judaism has mystery in fact life has mystery there are lots of, lots of areas of life that at the end of the day we say, I understand this much and this much I don't understand, including the so-called uh, uh, perfectly logical scientists who, if they were pressed, would have to say things are a mystery. So um, then, then we need to be able to come and, and present that because one of the common criticisms that we hear is that Yeshua never claimed to be God. In fact, uh, in the New Covenant, the New Testament, you will not find this expression, Yeshua is God. Um, Why? Why do you think it does not explicitly say Yeshua is God. Who was the New Covenant, the New Testament written by? Jewish Jews. Bible. First century Jews were extremely allergic to anything that seemed like it would be idolatry. So why? Because uh, the first temple was destroyed because of idolatry. The nation of Israel believe God, but then they believe Baal and Ashtarati and so on and so forth. And so after they came back from the Babylonian exile, they said, well, we were stupid. We're not going there again. So of course, you know, we were over here, so we're going to go way over here. So we're not even going to say the name of God, which is why instead of saying God, Jewish people say Hashem. Uh, or HaMakom Hashem is the name, MaKom is the place, or Adonai, et cetera, et cetera. and you never ever say Yahweh or Jehovah. Uh, that's all indicative of the fact that Jewish people in the first century and today want to say we are honoring God, we are wanting to make sure that we don't uh, diss Him in a sense, So that is why when you're looking for equations in a sense, like Yeshua is God, you're not going to find it. Uh, Instead, what you have is other means that are woven into the text to say, okay, who else could this be other than God? So what I wanted to do in the time we have is go through some of the Gospels the book of Acts, some of the epistles. Uh, we've gone through Revelation and see what it tells us about who Yeshua is. So first of all, let's zip to the Gospels. and uh, my, 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 my. Let's begin with uh, Matthew chapter 9. And verses
4: one to six. Uh, do you have any more of the sheets? Do I have any more of
1: those sheets? There are over there. That's
4: not it. Okay, okay. No. Here, we have one.
2: It's my son's but he's on the
1: floor. I had a feeling that I was OEU of Little Faith. But in any event, yes, I humbly apologize. Uh, Matthew chapter nine, and let's have our um, Trinidadian, one of our Trinidadians, uh, read that to us. Nine, Chap- chapter nine, verses one
4: to six. All right. After getting into a boat. Yeshua crossed over and came to his own town. And just then, some people brought to him a paralyzed man lying on a cot. And seeing their fate, Yeshua said to the paralyzed man, Take courage, son. Excuse me. Yeah.
1: Can I? Please, yeah. come in. Make yourself comfortable. All right. Thank you.
4: Then some of the Torah scholars said among themselves, This is about things. And knowing their thoughts, Yeshua said, Why are you entertaining evil in your hearts? For which is easier to see? the sins are forgiven, or to say get up and walk. But so you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to pardon sins. Then he tells the paralyzed man, get up, take up your cot, and go home.
1: Okay. So here, um, why don't you continue another
0: another verse?
4: And when the crowd saw it, they were afraid and glorified God who had given such authority to men
0: Okay.
1: so what you have here is something that in first century Judaism would be considered blasphemy Okay. as we will see in a couple of on a couple of occasions blasphemy um, in first century Judaism was a capital offense In other words, you couldn't do anything worse because you committed blasphemy. You were coming and um, speaking against who God is. And as far as they were concerned, that was it. Uh, You're worthy of death. And Yeshua does what is absolutely unforgivable in the first century Jewish mindset, that he not only heals the person, and he basically says healing this guy was was small potatoes. The big deal really is forgiving his sins. In fact, he uses the healing as an expression of the fact that he has authority to be able to forgive sins. Um, let's uh, look at Matthew twenty six. verse uh, 64 and by the way we're not going to cover everything that's in the notes so you can go over that um, or if you have questions you can speak up Okay, let's let's see it's just one verse We probably want to read uh, once, uh, give me a second here, one or two verses leading up to it, because we know that a verse out of context is a pretext. Pretext. My goodness, we're well trained. 62, maybe. Uh, Okay, go ahead, Michael. And the high priest arose and said
5: unto him, Are you answering nothing? What is it which these witness against you? But Yeshua held his peace, and the high priest answered and said unto him, I adjure you by the living God that you tell us whether you be the Messiah. The son of God and this is the verse Yeshua said unto him you have said nevertheless I say unto you um, oh hereafter you, sh, um, you sh, shall you see me shall you see the son of man sitting on the right hand of Haguvara, the power and coming in the clouds of heaven
1: and, uh going to 66
5: then the high priest dripped uh, his clothes saying he has spoken blasphemy what further need have we witnesses see now y- all of you have heard his blasphemy more? What do all of you think? They answered and said, He is guilty of death. Then did they... That's fine,
1: Michael. Thank you. So here's a situation. uh, I'm sure you've read it before, maybe. Um, Yeshua is in front of this kangaroo court, um, which, by the way, transgress all kinds of... uh, Legal standards, including how um, a person was to be tried by the Sanhedrin, which was the supreme court of the land, um, like meeting at night time. Like meeting at night time. That's correct. For instance,
2: hmm? I said for instance.
1: For instance, yes. So uh, they ask him if he is the Messiah. And by the way, this is one of two uh, references in the Gospels where. Uh, Yeshua comes out more or less and says yes I'm the Messiah the other one of course is to the Samaritan woman okay so here Yeshua doesn't deal with the Messiah aspect so much because their view of Messiah and his view of of Messiah were polar opposites they were expecting um, a political ruler who would come get rid of the, the uh, the, uh, the Romans, the bums um, but Yeshua wanted to uh, sharpen the point here and he, he tells them you'll see the son of man sitting at the right hand of mighty and coming on clouds of, of heaven now if you are familiar with um, an apologist named um, I just I had a senior moment here uh, no, uh, who said uh, Yeshua could either be a lunatic or be... C.S. be, C.S. be hmm? C.S. C.S. Lewis. No, not C.S. Lewis. No, C.S. Lewis C. No. Okay, uh, there were a number of people. In any event, um, Josh, uh, Josh... McDowell, McDowell. thank you. Um, who basically said either this guy is stark raving mad in which case he needs to be locked up or else As bizarre as it sounds, it's true. Now think about being in front of of the Supreme Court of the land and saying, you're gonna see me sitting next to next to God. And he doesn't just stop there. He sharpens the point even more by saying, you will see me come on clouds of glory. Now, where did Yeshua get that? Obviously, He knew all the facts, but you may enter there. Um, Daniel, Daniel chapter 7. Hello? The book of Daniel? Yes? yes? yes. Chapter 7, verse 13 and 14.
3: son of man and he came to the ancient of days and was presented before him and to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples nations and languages should serve him his dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away and his kingdom one that shall not be destroyed
1: so yeshua quotes only the first the first part of this prophecy verse verse 13 um But you know that these guys in the Sanhedrin knew the full story. No doubt that they understood that one coming on clouds of glory, that there was the second part, and the second part being that people of every uh, every nation uh, will worship him, and that his dominion is an everlasting dominion. What does that mean?
4: forever and ever and for them to know that in their trust in him it will be revealed to them what the promises of God are. Okay,
1: let's them. be specific, Mary. Who is this talking about here? In Daniel.
4: Oh, Messiah. It's Let's be specific, folks. If you get someone to come to promise one, how are you talking about physically?
1: All right, folks. <laughs> Who is Daniel 7.14 speaking about? Sure. No? no. Le- let's not quite go there. Oh, God. The Son of Man. The age of, the age of <laughs> Speaking <laughs> about... Who? Okay. Sounds like um. <laughs> hmm? <laughs> So, folks, um, again, you're you're looking at first-century Jewish mavens who knew anything and everything having to do with not only the Torah but also the prophets, Tanakh, right? Tanakh. Exactly. Tanakh. Um, and so they knew they knew that when Yeshua said, "You're gonna see me coming in clouds of glory." that the rest of it was and everybody and their mother is going to bow to me why because my kingdom is everlasting oh, that made them mad. huh that would them that would make them, mad. That would make them uh, spitting bullets well, which did. is which is what what they're doing <laughs> and they were saying they were saying what else do we need to to hear this guy is claiming to be god therefore this is blasphemy, therefore he is worthy of death and first, first century uh, Jewish people did not have authority to execute other than when things got goofy and, and, and you had people stoned like in the mob um, so Yeshua for, you know when you hear people say Yeshua never claimed deity, he never said I am God However, he made some statements that, are, that could not be interpreted in any other way other than this is who he is.
0: Thank you. Um, I, so I just wanted to clarify. So they're mad
2: because he is saying that his kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, therefore him
3: saying that he is God. Correct. Cool, okay, great, thank you.
1: Yeah, absolutely. He, he, again, he's not saying, I am God, but he's using all the language That for the first century Jew would be extremely clear
3: of what he's saying. This is kind of like Joseph when he told his brothers, "You will all come and bow down." And they sold him and put him in the pit, and you know, know, sold him to Egypt. Yeah, sold him into Egypt. But it came to pass what he said, and uh, this is, and he was a type of the Yeshua.
1: Well, it definitely was a type of Yeshua. Yes, Mary?
4: I'm going back, and I can't fix the exact passage, but in the Old Testament, there is...
1: Uh, I'm sorry, Mary, what was that? In the Old...
4: in the old, it's not. It's in not. Well, <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm saying that because it was one of the prophets that talked about...
1: Mary, what was this? Thank you. <laughs>
4: that would, that would um, show the, the regalness, the majesty of God. The robes would be flowing. I don't know, was it Zachariah or one of them? that he had a vision of seeing the robe of God. You know, they had a vision of the majesty of God. Ezekiel. Yeah. Yeah. So they, this is coming in, this is part of their vision of really who God, you know, the majesty of God
1: and they, they were able to make the connection with God, they could not make the connection with Yeshua. Right. And you see, this is, again, we're coming back to apologetics, not in the sense of wanting to argue anybody to death, but for the people who say Yeshua never claimed to be deity, all right, we want to look at a couple more passages. There's a ton more, uh, but we'll... Uh, a couple of places in in John. So let's turn to John 8.58 And we probably should read around that rather than just... uh, let's um, mm-hmm. uh, let's pick up at, at, at uh, eighty. Uh, excuse me, at 56 and read uh, 56 to 59 James, you look like you're wanting to volunteer sir your father Abraham rejoiced to see my Okay. So again, put yourself in their shoes. Here, uh, they're having conversation with Yeshua and he is explaining to them who he is in relation to the Father and their attitude is, who are you? And, it, and what he says to them is, I have been around. I've been around before Abraham's time and remember that I am is code word um, for, for God's name because when Moses asked God what is the name we should I should tell my people the Lord says eh-he-yeh asher eh-he-yeh, which means I am that I am I was that I was I will be that I will be basically I am eternally existent uh, that's big stuff And um, you can see the people's reaction was not, well, you think so, that's all right, you know, whatever. Not so much. People were furious because that was a capital offense. Just like we saw it with the Sanhedrin, we're seeing the same kind of reaction here. People basically want to take and stone Yeshua. One more place in John 8, and verse uh, 31 you mean 1031? 1031, excuse me mm-hmm.
5: 831 quick. yeah I'm assuming we want to back up again
1: yes <laughs> um, yeah 29 um, about 233 I don't have to read it, someone else can yes, I was going to pick on somebody else other than James Uh, Sylvia my
4: father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of the father's hand I and the father are one again the Judean leaders picked up stones to stone him, Yeshua answered them shown you many good works from the Father. For which of these are you going to stone me? The Judean la- leaders answered, We aren't stoning you for a good work be- but for blasphemy. Though you are a man, you make yourself out to be
1: God." Now, again, as C.S. Lewis and Josh McDowell and all these other guys were saying, you, you, you see an average, ordinary guy and again, understand that there was nothing spectacular about Yeshua physically you couldn't tell him apart from any other first century Jew in fact that's why Judas had to come and kiss him so that he would stand out because there was nothing on Yeshua that says I am Yeshua so so uh, again an ordinary looking guy And he stands there and says, I and the Father are one. Now, first century Jews and as well as Jewish people today refer to God as our Heavenly Father. You know, avinu sheba However, you will never in a zillion years hear someone say that our Heavenly Father and I are one. Why? A, this takes us back to the Shema, to uh, Deuteronomy 6, 4. Here, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And for a person to say, oh, by the way, that's me.
2: <laughs> I don't know, that just struck me as ludicrous. When you
1: well, it, it, it is extremely ludicrous unless it is, true. unless it is true. And so people are picking up rocks people are picking up ropes and getting ready to, st- to stone Yeshua and he says what are you guys doing well <clears throat> we're doing that because you just opened your mouth and said the unpardonable uh, sin that is worthy of death yes ma'am I have a
2: question so I've talk, spoken with a couple of people um, who this is the passage I use I and the father are one but they're using the one where the Father is greater than I, and they're talking about their being, that it's okay if Yeshua is God, but he is separate. He is not this, the same or the same being, or however you would word it, as God the Father. And it's two different people that go to the congregation, and so I was a little...
1: To our congregation?
2: I was yeah. a little... Uh, I. Needed some words. Well, I was explaining what one person believed, and then the other person said, "Well, I believe that too." And I was like,
1: "Oh." <laughs> well, all right, folks. I was right, trying folks. to get the
2: words to explain to the one person.
1: That's fine. Uh, do remember that we are a public gathering, which means all kinds of folks walk through the door, and and we have a range of understanding of scripture. And so I hope you don't get, cultures,
5: huh? Backgrounds, cultures, politics. Yeah.
1: Backgrounds, cultures, and I hope you don't get rattled when you hear something that's funky. And you go and pray for that individual and say, Lord, you, you know what this guy just said or this lady just said. It's funky.
2: Well, and I was going to the other person to get the verbiage because yeah. I didn't know how to answer the other person. Right. And so, then I found out they really believed the same thing. So now I had two people where I didn't know the verbiage.
1: All right. So, uh, and, and we want to park here for about 10 minutes, but we will park here for eternity. <laughs> okay? So we have, again, th- this is something where our brothers and sisters and in, in the rest of the body um, who take an attitude that says, it has to be either this or that, and we who come from a Jewish background say, it is both this and that. It's okay to have both and. It's, it's not only okay, it's scriptural. Mm-hmm. It is scriptural. It's part of the mystery. Somehow, you have two things that seem to be antithetical who are, that are in opposition, but yet are still very much part of reality. So on one hand, Yeshua says, I and the Father are one. Okay, Meaning, He is God, the Father is God. Now, and and by the way, this is where the church um, councils uh, spent oodles and oodles of time over centuries trying to define and come up with the right formulation. And we can either go that route and say, yeah, I, I want to go see what the council of Nicaea, the council of Chalcedon, and all these guys, or say, well... Alright? They went through all that, I'm not gonna go that route. Uh, because at the end of the day, even if you come up with a precise verbiage, you still say, it's a mystery. And it is okay to say, it is a mystery. I understand this much, and then there's a ton that I don't understand. Um, I, I, I believe it's, it's not only intellectually honest, it's also scriptural. And it also honors God to say, Lord, you have revealed this much and a bunch more you have not revealed, and I'm okay with that. Uh, So, you have on one hand Yeshua saying, I and the Father are one. On the other hand, He is saying, the Father is greater than I. So what does that mean? Does that mean that the Father is 100% God and Yeshua is 99.5% per- God? No. Okay. He does not mean that. Alright? So when he speaks about the Father being greater than him, what is Yeshua talking about? Again, look at the context. All the places where Yeshua makes statements such as the Father is greater than I or my food, what sustains me is to do the will of the Father. So in what sense does Yeshua mean that the Father is greater than Him?
4: Yeshua put Himself as a
1: servant to the Father. There's subservience. Subservience doesn't mean... Subservience doesn't mean that... There is inequality. Subservience means that you have different assignments, different job descriptions. Yeshua also chose to be limited. That that as well. However, the father sent Yeshua down to earth. Yes, Yeshua came voluntarily, but the father sent Yeshua, which basically presents a, a an image <coughs> Of our Heavenly Father as being the executive dispatching Yeshua, dispatching the Holy Spirit Um, and so you have subservience which doesn't mean that you have inequality so let me use a somewhat touchy example here Um, where you have a healthy marriage uh, you have what I understand the husband's role is t- to love sacrificially and to lead and to be the head. And you have the wife's responsibility also to love but, but to be subservient in a sense of saying um, when push comes to shove and we need to make some significant decision even if I don't fully agree with you I want to tell you how I feel so you you hear and and process it but at the end of the day if you feel led to go in a different direction I'm okay with that. Now, I know there is beaucoup dialogue and and dispute (laughs) about that even among our beloved mishpacha so I say that carefully however, in situations where there is um, husbandly leadership, does that mean that there is inequality? Because Scripture says that uh, both men and women are co-heirs of the kingdom of God. In other words, we share the kingdom of God equally. And, And we are partners in the kingdom of God and so on and so forth. So that's that's where people really break their teeth in this area.
2: I have a question on that one. Yes ma'am. Using that as an example though, the husband and wife are two beings. Right. <laughs> They're not one. Correct. So that's in marriage they become one. And and and
1: uh, as as she said, the word echad means not necessarily a singular item but can refer to to a couple you know you can have mishpacha achat one family Mm -hmm. where did where did eve come from Uh, let's 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 not go (laughs) out of that route please uh yeah so one i think sometimes people in our day
4: and age and always we like to butt heads on this but the world at large will never see who the Lord really is if you do not have a functional spiritual relationship of marriage if the if the, if the man is not the head and the woman is not subservient you don't actually see what real love looks like Yeah, and, and, and I mean Yeshua is the ultimate subservient individual and yeah. so it's actually a privilege
1: as a wife to be like, like Yeshua just okay we're merging that way and, and and by the way that's wh- where Paul goes when he talks about the marriage he says the husband and wife are like Yeshua and the rest of in the, the body um, and so I realized that there is uh, this is negatively charged phrase and yes I could have been could have used a, a, a softer expression but we have to use that in order to, to understand who Yeshua is um, and And we talk about one, at the same time uh, you look at the fact that Yeshua and the the Spirit of God uh, are distinct, Uh, I don't like to use the word persons, uh, beings, uh, whatever. Manifestations. Huh?
2: (laughs) Manifestations.
1: It's more than manifestations, definitely more than, because it's not just manifestations that God chooses to appear this way, this way, and this way. That's modalism.
4: Well, no, there is a um, messianic yeah. congregation. Actually, they call themselves says, orthodox Jewish messianic, whatever. But they said um, God is one with three distinct manifestations, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit.
1: Okay. We can arm wrestle over the particular designation, manifestation, being, persons, whatever, the, the, a, it is a mystery beyond our pay grade. Amen. Even marriage is called a mystery. Even because marriage, it is. it's so it's beyond our it's beyond our pay grade. There's no shame in saying it is a mystery. I understand this much. But we're talking about the fact that Yeshua is one with the Father. Equality. Uh, we're talking about a distinction of function, different. I know. I see your hand, honey. Uh, distinction of uh, function, you know, and so uh, Joe and I, for instance, we, our attitude is we have different assignments. We've all been given different assignments. Doesn't mean that we're unequal. We have different assignments. Um, I was going somewhere with that, and so the, the, the short version is that you find the same thing in reference to the Spirit, to the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit is described not as an it, uh, and him, not in a sense of gender, but him in a sense of uh, distinct being who displays emotion. He is grieved, displays will. He says to uh, the disciples in Antioch, set apart for me, so and so. Uh, and the the Holy Spirit gives the gifts according to what he sees fit. So again, we have distinction of function but equality. Now you've been patient. Well, Nope, you just said it. That
4: very last sentence. It's
1: not inequality, it's different quality. Yeah. Different function. Okay. Um, I know... I'm to be kept honest and finish on time. Uh, Sorry about that. That's all right. <laughs> um, look, um, this is something we, we need to embrace. It's a mystery uh, for ourselves, for our relationship with God. It's a mystery that we need to embrace for the sake of interested folks who are not yet believers who have legitimate questions and and we need to be able to explain uh, give a reason, a gentle reason for the hope that is within us. <laughs> Seriously folks, as you have issues that stick in your craw and like are like an undigested knish in there somewhere um, let me let, explain something a knish is Jewish food that, that is not always easily digestible. All right. Um, you, you simply say, Lord, this is really bothering me, and would you please give me as much information as I need in order for me to grow into maturity in you.
3: Make Amen. it God's
1: problem so that he can somehow convey the information cognitively, emotionally, spiritually, whatever, so that at the end of the day you feel like saying, okay, it's not that I necessarily know a whole lot more than I did before, but somehow God did something in me, and I'm okay with it. All right. So, Rabbi David, would you finish for us, sir?
0: Yeah, thank you for this opportunity to look at, uh, again, a very difficult um, thing, but again, help us to, to be at peace with the fact that uh, we don't have to have the, everything figured out, but that we look at what you've told us, and for things that uh, you haven't told us, Lord, we trust that, uh, you, that you're still uh, in control, and that you can certainly help us to to not be uh, bothered or conflicted, That's not your aim or your goal. So we pray that this information would simmer, would take root that We would gain more comfort in, uh, in knowing that you have all the answers, and we do not have to have all the answers, uh, but that we are able to study and go up to the point that you've revealed to us. So I pray that uh, what has been revealed to us, Lord, would lodge deeply in us, and that we would keep uh, keep an open mind and spirit for, for anything further that you have to to, to teach us in this matter of, uh, of how this whole thing works with regard to, to uh, how how you manifest yourself, Lord, how you show yourself to us. So we uh, just Thank you for these things and pray that each person would uh would take home something from tonight. In Yeshua's name. Amen. Amen. Amen.